You're listening to the Junior Hereford Show with Noah Benedict. Let's get ready to learn, lead, and achieve. Welcome back, everybody, to the Junior Hereford Show, and I'm sitting here with uh, with one of my fellow board members, Wyatt Lawrence. Wyatt, do you want to go ahead and introduce yourself to everyone? Yeah, Noah. So uh, you kind of kind of beat me to it, but I'm I'm Wyatt Lawrence. I'm from Princeton, Minnesota, and currently serving as your NJHA vice chairman. Uh, excited to be here and uh, get to be on the podcast with Noah. We're bringing Wyatt in today, guys, and this is actually going to be um, a little bit more of a back and forth interview. Wyatt's going to try and come up with some questions to stump me too, but um, uh, we ju- we wanted to go through, and, and this episode is really going to highlight just just us two and our experience going through the the Herford breed and, and the junior board, and um, you know we obviously I don't know if get to retire or re- or have to retire is the word. Yeah, for- for- forced retirement. <laughs> forced retirement here in July, but. Um, you know, we, we kind of wanted to give you guys another route to, to, to listen to our story and uh, see if there's anything that you can learn from us to see if you're maybe potentially interested in being a board member or just learning about them. So, Wyatt, do you want to talk a little bit about how you got started at the Hereford Breed and, and just growing up and, and what that process looked like for you? Yeah, definitely. Well, I mean, I don't mean to speak for Noah and I, but we both kind of have similar stories. We come from Hereford families, right? So we're we're a generational thing for me. I'm the fourth generation in my family to raise Hereford cattle. And I mean, that meant I was exposed from the day I was born. You know, I was out on the <clears throat> on the tractor feeding hay with my dad and uh, taking care of cows. And that's just something that I grew up doing. And I remember when I was about 10 years old, I really start to, started to have a passion for the cattle, you know, and just raising the livestock and working with them. But as far as like mentors or people that got me into it, I really attribute it to my family. You know, it was a way of life. It's what we did. Uh, and just from there, I grew and had a passion for the cattle um, and just really enjoyed it. I remember my first my first show animals. My sister got to show a heifer and my brother and I got to show two bulls uh, as our first show animal, you know. And that was just a little different from how some other folks might uh, start their showing experience. I know everybody probably started with a heifer, but, you know, that was I thought that was the coolest thing to show Red Rocket at the state fair, you know. So uh, that's kind of just how it started and just blossomed from there to where now I uh, run a couple of my own cows as long as well as my family's animals and just absolutely love the Hereford breed and the family that it's turned into. I, I think you're absolutely right. And I do want to point out I've got you beat by a generation. I'm fifth generation. Shucks, but man. I, I think I walked in at the, the Illinois State Fair and the Wisconsin State Fair for the first time at five years old. Um, I think that's that's how my parents decided that I was just I was going to jump right in the show ring and, and not look back. But um, no, I, I think it's pretty cool that you bring up grow, growing up and it being a family affair. And, um, you know, there was never an opportunity in this breed or in this, you know, the, this industry that my parents didn't give me the chance to go get. And I think you're probably a lot of the same way. I look back like growing up and and there was never a time where I was like, hey, I, I want to try and show here if I. You know, I had to set the goal and work towards it, but I think there was always an opportunity that was able to at least try and be achieved along the way, and I'm sure it was the same way for you. Yeah, definitely. Like, so I remember going back to my first uh, Minnesota Beef Expo. You know, my family had never exhibited at that show before. It had been something that was new between my dad and me showing, you know, and I told my dad, I said, Dad, I I really want to take some calves to this, and it was just him and me went out there with our – our three heifers and showed at the beef expo but just like that like my parents I, I i owe them all the credit you know they supported me every step of the way and just fed into that passion that i have for cattle 
I, uh, I think, you know, parents, parents pushing us, I think that kind of leads into my next question here, Wyatt. I think back and what maybe one of the most influential things that my parents did for me is I had to give a speech at junior nationals from like ages like seven to 11 or 12. And I know that sounds silly, but I really do like, I'm very comfortable talking. I'm not saying I'm any good at it, but I'm very comfortable <laughs> talking in front of people now. And uh, I, I attribute a lot of that to, to ages seven to 11. So um, talk about kind of how you made your way growing up in the NJHA and kind of where you got your start, maybe what contests you like to do and that sort of thing. Yeah, so like I definitely had a late start in the NJHA. You know, um, I was late to 4-H. I was late to FFA. But um, as soon as I got involved, I, I was all about the cattle. So like really focused on cattle and leadership. Um, somehow along the way, I got elected onto our state officer team and got to start working with uh, the young people in our state and just work on, you know, what opportunities do we want to bring? How do we want to grow? And that's, I mean, that's where I really developed my leadership skills was at a state level. Um, got to work my way up to being the president of our association. And then from there, started some scholarships, you know, did some op speaking opportunities. You know, as you get pushed into leadership opportunities, you're forced to exercise different skills and uh, work on, you know, different things that you might not have been that good at. Uh, kind of like, you know, I've always been natural at public speaking. Don't really uh, get nervous in front of a group. I've always said I'd rather I'd rather give a speech on something I don't know than write a paper about something I know everything about because I can't write a paper to save my life. But that that leadership at the state level is really what what did it for me and really helped me grow as a junior. Yeah, and I, I think, you know, starting at that state level and meeting those people at your state and then doing kind of what you did or I did and, and moving up to the national level and making friends there and, and getting involved there too is important. And I, I think it's cool that, you know, you, you say you got a late start and some of our listeners out there might be the same way. But, you know, talk about how even if you did, you know, when did you attend your first junior nationals? How old were you? Yeah. So my first junior nationals was actually 2016 in Madison, Wisconsin. Right. So there there's probably members that are younger than me that have been to more junior nationals than I have, you know, and that was something we said as a family is like, hey, if we want to keep growing, we want to keep getting involved in this. That's the next step. We got to start going to these junior national shows. And I think the first one I remember watching and being like, man, I want to go there was the, I think it was in Grand Island, Nebraska, when it was Hereford Nation or yeah, whatever. I know yeah, you were there, but but that was the first one I watched. I said, Dad, I want to go to this thing. That that looks like an event I that we should Her take part in. Well, so we were in Grand Island in, what, 12 and 15. I think that was in 15 when for Hereford Nation. But, yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it's kind of funny here sitting and reflecting, you know, I've been to every junior national since I was born. You know, mm -hmm. I, I, I was kind of there whether I wanted to be or not. Yep. And uh, it's kind of cool, you know, the different paths that you take and, and the different, you know, the different routes that you go. And you and I pretty much ended up in a, in a pretty similar spot here. So it's kind of cool to, to listen to that and see how that works out. Yeah, no, nobody's walk is the same. But the destination where you're headed, you can get there a lot of different ways. And it that's what's interesting about working with juniors from across the country, right? That's probably been one of my favorite things about the junior board is – you get 12 people in a room with different background, different experience from different parts of the world, dare say. I mean, some people on our board from California, some people are from Kentucky. Those, there's there's countries that are closer together than that, and those are two states in the same country. So it's just something that I think is fascinating, getting to hear the different lifestyles, the different ways people live. And it, it's what's cool about the Hereford family is um, it extends. We all have a common theme. We all have a commonality that we can relate to. Uh, because we raise her for cattle. Absolutely. And so, and you, you talked about, you know, commonality and, 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 and all that. And so I, I want to think back to, you know, when, when you did start going to junior nationals, and you did have some commonality with some other members there, you know, 
And we we ran in what nineteen in Denver. So yep. let's talk a little bit about from like sixteen uh, the junior nationals in two thousand sixteen, two thousand seventeen, two thousand eighteen. What did you try and get involved in there, and what did you think of those shows for some of our members that are in a similar position or or nine or ten years old and getting started? Like like I said, no, I was all about the cows. So all I want, all I thought I needed to do was sit back at the barn and take care of my cattle. So that that was a big thing for me. But I got to compete in the grill off and get to go do the judging contest and things like that. And I, you know, I wish I would have taken advantage. If I had any advice, it'd be to take advantage of more contests sooner in life because it took me a long time to get involved in some of those contests. And there's many that I didn't even take part in. But the pen to pen program was something that I saw as a huge deal getting to work with younger members uh i love the judging contest as i know that's a popular one for people uh but it's just fun to get to exercise your brain and try to challenge yourself but there's a lot of new contests out there like it's not the same junior nationals that you and i participated in this coming year in 2022 uh we've revamped a lot of things and created a lot of new contests to try to keep it fresh to try to keep it challenging and that's what i would encourage people i'd say hey get involved in those things early because that that there's a lot of fruit that comes from those things and you know it's not yeah like I joked I'm like I hey I don't like writing a paper but you know for college I had to write papers and I was forced to get better at it because of that so um, some of these contests you might not think you'll enjoy but they might help you grow and develop as a person really well so that's something I'd say too is just because you don't think you're gonna enjoy it doesn't mean you won't yeah when I, I look back I truly realized you know how much some of these contests like impacted impact you now it might not you know set you apart for your career or, or you know or tell you what you want to do but you know I can think back to doing team marketing when I was 11 or 12 years old with you know as my brother and Lauren McMillan on the team and I think back like that was the first kind of taste I had at trying to sell sell cattle and that's you know I did that for my family I'm trying to do that now mm-hmm. in my new position it's it's funny how all these contests work out and how how much they truly can help you um well, and that's been a huge focus of our team the last year is like, how do we make these things more applicable to life after the junior association? You know, and that's just like sharing the heart of our team is we want to provide things that are going to help juniors uh, kickstart into the next chapter of life and not necessarily, like you said, tell them where they're going to go, but provide them opportunity to exercise skills that can help direct them in the way that they want to go. Yeah, we're, we're all about providing opportunity here at the <laughs> NJHA, like Wyatt just said, and and. We have opportunities provided to us from some of our very uh, gracious sponsors, so let's give them a listen. All right, everybody, welcome uh, Mr. BJ, or excuse me, Dr. BJ Jones to the podcast here. Super excited to have him on. Uh, BJ uh, and his family own and operate Wildcat Cattle Company, and so BJ, why don't you uh, tell us a little bit about your operation? Uh, Great. Thank you, Noah, so much for having us on. Uh, We really appreciate it and excited uh, to be part of the podcast. Um, we're a family operation based in Southwest Wisconsin, a little town of called Darlington, uh, but we're real close to Illinois and the Iowa border. And the, the operations, my wife and our six kids, and they range in age from 11 to 25. Um, some of them have gone off or getting adult jobs now, and uh, but we still have three here at home. And uh, our goal kind of has been uh, we're, we're trying to grow great kids as well as some great cattle. Yeah, well, thank you, BJ. And, and like you said, growing, growing great kids, that's, uh, I know that resonates well. You, we've seen a couple of your kids wearing maroon and in a similar position to me here. Um, 
pretty cool to see them and, and have them be role models for, for people in the industry. Let's touch a little bit more on, on that sale and what kind of cattle you're trying to produce for it, BJ. Yeah, uh, as I said, we're doing all heifer sex semen. I mean, we, uh, uh, we're we trying to produce show heifers. We want something that you as a junior or, or your, your child can take and have a successful project and will have a lot of success. Um, why we've tied into Herefords is basically because of their docility. You know, they're easy to work with. As I said, I've got six kids and when our kids were seven years old, they were out in the barn working themselves sometimes with these cattle. And we don't want to have them worried about getting run over or kicked or things of that nature. Um, and the Hereford breed is just, they're the easiest to break, the easiest to work with. Um, and, and so, as I said, we're focused on producing show heifers. Um, we're really excited about the Junior National coming back to Madison, Wisconsin next year. And some of our breeding decisions for this year were that. I mean, we breed a little more for type and show it showing. Um, so I'm really excited about this year's calf crop. Uh, our goal is to not only sell you a heifer, but help help you guys learn how to do it. And uh, the hard work and the knowledge that goes into the getting one across the ring and doing successful, there's a lot to it, you know, from the feeding, the nutrition, getting them bred uh, and keeping them healthy. I mean, those are the big four things. And as a veterinarian, uh, I have some extra knowledge too on the health side. And, and we, I have kids texting me all the time, you know, about changing the feed rations. What can we do different? Uh, the other thing we like to do then is also provide service at the Junior National for kids. Um, we'll have a crew there fitting and helping them get those cattle looking. Uh, just as good as they can be 12 o'clock when they hit that ring for them. Awesome, BJ. Well, I think I think it's easy for us to tell here that uh, you guys are all in on juniors. And um, I, I think, you know, raising your family, you know, six children going through the, the NJHA and, and the Herford Association there in Wisconsin, I think speaks volumes to that. Um, as we as we begin to wrap up here, BJ, this is a, a personal question of mine for this for your sale this fall. Um, what what is the uh, what is the number one mating you're looking for? What flush did you the best, or what do you think is gonna gonna go the best? Yeah, that's a good question. Uh, our, our patient's donor um, has really done well for us throughout the years, and people accuse me of having too many calves out of her, but her calves are really good. <laughs> uh, we do have some different donors kind of in the mix this year, though, and some different combinations. And I can't truly say that there's one that sticks out. You know, there's some American classics. Uh, there's some Montgomery's. I mean, there's a whole wide range of sires. We use Marksman. Um, and they're all different in different ways. And I think we're just excited about the quality from top to bottom uh, that'll be there. Awesome. Well, thank you, BJ. And again, guys, I want to reiterate, you know, Wildcat is about uh, improving juniors. And I think it's easy to see why they they chose to be in here on the, the July calendar ad month. So BJ, thank you for being on today. Uh, you're welcome, Noah. And I just, uh, for a second, I just want to add what we, a great program we think the NJHA is and, and helping develop kids, not only the showing programs, but the, the leadership programs and, and the contests. Uh, we're pretty proud of what it's done for our kids. And uh, we encourage, you know, any people who are not in the breed to, to get involved. Uh, it's a great organization. And uh, I think I think your kids will be well deserved uh, 
to grow up in that program. Couldn't have said it better myself, BJ. Thank you again, and we'll catch you here on the next part of this podcast. Thank you again to our generous sponsors here at the NJHA. And, and why I'm just going to jump right back in here. What When did you learn that you thought that you started wanting to wear maroon? Was it at that first junior nationals that, w- that you went to? Was it in 2018, the year before you ran? Or how did you know that that was something that you wanted to accomplish? Yeah, no. So it, it still jumps back to my family, actually, for me. You know, I in 2016, they did a really cool jacket giveaway ceremony, and it definitely, like, inspired me to say, hey, I want to have the opportunity to walk out there and hand the jacket off, you know, and be able to give that jacket away and also receive a jacket from somebody. But my want to wear a maroon started in my grandparents' living room as my dad would go back into his childhood bedroom and pull out this maroon jacket that he wore as a kid. We'd just stand there, my sister and I, and and look at it. We'd all try on the jacket. I'd be like, that's something I want. You know, I want to be able to serve at the, in the NJHA and wear that maroon jacket. And it's been a dream of mine. You know, a lot of people know my sister was on the board before me. My dream started when I was like 12. My sister's dream started about a year before she ran. And I was always like, oh, well, she beat me to it kind of thing. You know, went and did it before me or whatever. And her and I joked back and forth about it. But I, I couldn't imagine a better way to serve than getting to serve with my sister uh, ahead of me as chairman and uh, just get to do that experience with her. And like I said, it's been a family thing all the way through and through for me and get to serve with her as my family member uh, was really cool experience for me as well. But that would be where I started was back in my grandparents' living room. I had the dream of wearing that maroon jacket. Yeah, I think it was a family affair for me too. I maybe didn't know, like when I was younger, I wasn't like, yeah, I definitely need to do that at some point. But I definitely knew that I respected like the junior board and that like I thought they were definitely role models. I didn't know at what point, you know, I decided kind of a year before that, hey, this is something I really want to dive into and and succeed in. But I say it was a family affair too because I'm I'm um, my my grandfather um, served as chairman and then I had two aunts that served on the board as well. And then, you know, I got on the board. My cousin Riley actually got to give me my jacket. So um, I think it's it's really cool. The family history that ties in there. And uh, and it's cool to look back on and reflect, like you said. Well, and I'm sure you uh, got to grow up hearing the family stories about board trips and stuff that they did when they were on the board and the trips they took. Oh, absolutely. As I'm I'm sure it goes both ways for, for both ways there, too. But um, talk about so once you decided that you were going to run and and 2019 comes around in, in Denver, Colorado, you know, what what were your thoughts going into that week? What was the game plan? What was the. What was the, you know, the motivation there? What were you telling people why you wanted to be on the board? Yeah, so, like, going into that running in Denver, I, I was definitely nervous. Um, I definitely didn't know enough people. That's what I told myself because I had no idea and nobody – I mean, people knew who I was a little bit because of my sister who got elected before, but that was it. And um, I was super nervous. And I know Noah, you and I were the ones that connected, I think, the closest out of our group when we were candidates there and – uh, right on, you and I kind of hit it off and kind of walked through that together and just went out there and tried to meet people, you know, and be genuine, not like trying to sell myself or trying to sell something to them, but 
getting out there and just being like, hey, regardless of whether I get elected this week or not, this is a great opportunity to meet cattle people across the country. And I still am reaping the benefits of being a candidate. So if somebody on listening to this podcast is like, hey, well, if you run and don't get on, it's not worth it. I will be the first one to tell you that if I hadn't gotten on the board, it would have been totally worth it to run still because of the people that you meet, the contacts you make. But that that week in Denver was hectic, and I know that I was nervous. Um, I told you I don't really mind public speaking, but um, that final speech that night, I know you had some notes, and I had a couple of notes, but Oh, man, we were sweating back in that back room, pacing back and forth. If anybody's seen a reasons room before you go in to give reasons, it looked like that on steroids with how fast we were pacing back and forth, everybody working on their speech and getting ready. I think we had eight people in run that year, and I think we were all in the exact same boat. Like, there's something about it, right? Like, you talk about, like, not being nervous when, like, speaking in front of people, but there's something when when you truly care about what you're doing and you you're like you're just naturally going to be nervous right like all of us wanted to all of us wanted to be the best board member we could be for the association so bad and it was it's such like a it's a it's a love thing right like you you gotta love what you're doing and if you do and you have an opportunity you're gonna be nervous that you like want to execute it right yeah and that's like you put your heart into it you know you take ownership you're like this is this is something that i want something i desire and yeah, when you when you take ownership of what you're doing, uh, like we do in the NJHA, I can speak for every member on the board that this is we eat, sleep, and breathe this thing. And when it's like that, yeah, you're gonna get nervous because it's something you care deeply about. I I want to jump back to something you said earlier about running versus not running. And if you look, <clears throat> what you said about looking back, and even if you hadn't got on the board, it still being a very worthwhile experience. I am 100% the same way. I left I left that week so so thankful not only that i got on the board but i met i I mean probably 40 new 40 to 45 new um delegates that i mean that week new people um and i knew of those people but i had never sat down and like had a five to ten minute conversation with them about you know who they are and what they want to try and do and like their career aspirations so it was it was I think you're right. Like we're still reaping the benefits of running for the board and we would have probably met those people on the board or whatever, but starting that relationship there and meeting the other candidates was incredible. You know, like learning how to compete, but also still develop friendships at the same time. I think that's something that can't go unspoken for. Yeah. And that process you go through of meeting new people, like that doesn't stop once you get on the board, right? You get on the board and then your first thing you do is you get to go to face the leadership as a team and you get to spend three to four days with a bunch of people that you you know, just either just met as a candidate or you've never met before. But those relationships just continue to build as you spend your time on the board. And that's that's something that I think is the most valuable thing about running for the NJHA or being a part of the NJHA board is the connections and people you're meeting. The uh, I think it's funny you bring up that that first face is a leadership is just a little insight here, guys. It's an eye opener, right? Like you, you get on the board, you're, you're all hyped up, you know, whatever you just got on. And then two weeks later you turn around and you're expected to like, like help. And you lead, don't know help. anything. Yeah. You're like yeah. fish out of water. I mean, it's and rough. That's, and right. That's no one's fault. You know, that's just the process you go through, but like you're expected, you know, help lead these kids. You probably don't know a lot of them. You bet you, you know, you probably know your junior board members if you're interested, but you don't know them super well. Yeah. Um, especially the groups older than you. And, you know, you just kind of got to like be a sponge and be willing to learn it and soak it all up. Cause if you're not, you can get left in the dust real quick. Well, that's what my sister always said. She said the, the boards broke into three years. Your first year, you're a sponge. You're just learning. You're absorbing your second year. You get to try to start 
voicing your goals and things you want to accomplish. And then the third year you get to start executing those things. And I think that has mirrored our run uh, immensely because I remember things we talked about our first year on the board and that's just kind of crazy how you get to see the progression over the three years. Yeah, it it it, it really is broken up into three years, but I do want to say too that, um, you know, that sponge piece that applies to all three years like super oh, yeah. heavily. Like, there's so many opportunities that we have here where if you're willing to learn, you're gonna take so much away from it. I've told multiple people. I said, yeah, I just feel like I'm just starting to get traction on the junior board. Like I'm starting to get it figured out, and they're kicking us off. You know, like I'm just starting to figure it out. Now we're done. So yeah, it it, it is a you know, and now like we're you know, you and I we're, we're you know we're in the leadership positions where we're trying to like help bring the newbies along and try and try mm-hmm. and you know coach you know some of our other exec team members that are are going to be leading this next year. You know we're trying to guide them on what they need to be working on. And, and how they need to be trying to improve to continue to improve them because ultimately you know the goal for the third year members is for those those newbies to be way better than they ever were right yep so um, so now that we're you know we've kind of gotten on the board and we've talked about the the board overall what what are some of your favorite you know looking back you know if you could go back and like do something again for enjoyment which ones would you go do again with those experiences on the board oh man I mean there's so many, like trying to pick one in particular would be tough, but I've absolutely loved the times that we get to go out to dinner, just us as a team. You know, we, we'll go to Oklahoma City for the shows and we'll pick a restaurant and we'll walk downtown Kansas City during the Royal or we'll walk downtown Oklahoma City and get to walk and just spend time together as a team. Um, I remember one time we were riding the scooters around the streets, you know, and uh, I won't name names, but one of the board members wiped out, and we just laughed the whole way back. Oh, I'll name and names. Luke took a tumble. Luke, Luke <laughs> took a big tumble. But, you know, it's things like that where, you know, we don't spend time together all throughout the year, but the times that we do spend together, it's like we never were apart. And that's probably what I value most is just the time spent playing cards um, late at night when we were here in Desdemona last year, uh, times going out to eat as a team, just and then, you know, getting to work the ring and what makes, you know, those times are where you build relationship and that makes the times of work in the ring or the times of hang and stall cards at Junior Nationals. Um, that makes that so much more fruitful when you're doing it with friends. And that's probably another thing is getting to do those prep days for junior nationals. Like when you fly in two, three days before, and then you're just at the, it's just, you're like dropped right into the fire. But I absolutely love it because the energy is so good. You're, you're excited. You're all working towards the same thing. And just the anticipation of what's coming, the anticipation of the trailers lined up and you're out there in tieouts and you just see the kids just waiting to come in. I mean, it's just an exciting role to be able to play a part in the NJHA. I, I think there's so many experiences from from being on this board that are so worthwhile. But I think you talk about, you know, those those trips that we take, whether it be faces or junior nationals, where we get to fly in as a board two, three days before. And, you know, we have two days of prep time um, where we are literally planning out the show or, you know, we've already planned that show very, very heavily, but we're we're, you know, we're planning out how we're going to execute it in those two days and seeing how that works and then implementing it and having it be successful is one of the most rewarding things I think we do as a board. And, and you're right, that time that you spend on a board as your own um, it is super impactful because you do all this stuff. You work super hard to, to give the members a quality product 
and those two, three days where you like get to just hang out and be friends, you know, that from, you know, when you get back to the hotel at eight, nine o'clock and then just play cards, it's, it's a good time. Uh, if I had to go back and pick one specific memory <laughs> though, um, Oklahoma city last year for faces of leadership was incredible. Yeah, it was incredible. And p I think part of the reason was, is, you know, our board didn't really get to just hang out for like a year and a half there because of mm -hmm. COVID. And Faces is a place where we, we do get to, quote unquote, hang out a lot. And uh, I, I just had such a good time there. I mean, it was such an awesome, awesome conference, didn't you think? Oh, yeah, definitely. The speakers were just incredible. And then the life skills we got to develop and the people we got to spend it with. I mean, that's like, like I said earlier, you, as you're talking, I'm thinking of more things that were just excellent. And, you know, getting to spend the bus ride with juniors. And I remember Oklahoma City there, we did um, – we did Herford Bowl questions on the bus. I think Logan McFatridge, he, he brought him up to the front. This is a shout-out to Logan if he listens to the podcast. But, you know, that was something that, you know, was membership-led, and we got to take part in it. Like, we're not only giving in this role, but we get to receive so much, and it's just a blessing to be able to, yeah, to I, do I that. Think, I think back to that bus ride you're talking about, and I think, you know, I kind of headed up one bus, and, and you were maybe bus two. And yep. I, I, you know, our bus had a great time, but I had people from bus two like coming up and talking smack to me about how you guys' bus was better. And I just I had to sit there and just smile, you know, like that's what you love to hear. Yeah. And it's just awesome to have a great time with juniors and walk away from those conferences or those shows and hear about the memories that were built and the friendships that were created. It, it's really cool to look back because I can think of some of those same memories, you know, from Estes Park in Colorado at my first bases. Mm -hmm. Um to know that that like we're providing that to the you know I can think back to those memories and now I know that we've been able to give some of those to some of our members so yeah um at, we're getting close to time here Wyatt we've got time for just a couple more questions but what I mean as you walk you know we're gonna walk away from this and you know you and I will still be heavily involved in the breed and, and be around but what what are some of your biggest takeaways from being on this board and and being a junior member in the NJHA as a whole yeah I mean as far as getting to just be a member right like the the value that i find in just participating and meeting people uh there's not many organizations at least from where i grew up where you actually get to execute leadership like you do in the njha uh when you're a leader on a state level or on a national level like you have a say and you get to do what you want to do now i know a lot of ffa chapters provide that 4h provides that but that's also very parent heavy, and I just find that the cattle industry, and specifically the Hereford breed, gives you an opportunity to branch out on your own. It provides opportunity for young people to get involved, and it's about the youth. Ask any breeder, 65 and up, and they will tell you that they support the youth 100%. And that's something that I think is really valuable, and that be my biggest thing as a takeaway is uh, – Take advantage of the opportunities that are in front of you and don't be scared of what the outcome might be. Um, because no matter what, like we said earlier, you get on the board or you don't, it was a great experience. And that's really what the NJHA is trying to provide for you is experiences and um, take advantage of as many as you can. I, I just want to highlight one thing you said there. Guys, there's people out there that mm -hmm. in this breed, you know, that help on this board they might just be a breeder but they want to see the youth succeed they want to see you specifically receive succeed excuse me um they want to they want to help put you in a position to be as successful as you can and, and i think as as our membership out there listening goes through and even to some of our adult members you know yeah. if you're if you're finding your way too 
um, just ask. I mean, there's usually a resource out there to help you. And there's one other thing that I'd like to add, Noah, is I think a lot of times, and this is like myself included, we think it's about the cattle, right? Like we're, we're all about the cattle and everything. And that is excellent because we have a tremendous breed of cattle with great value. I think they're superior to all others, right? I'm going to be the first one to claim that. No bias at all there. No bias at all. But, um, but remember that it's about the people. And that's really what it comes down to that makes the Hereford breed unique. Uh, I've gotten to participate in a couple other breed events and get to work with some other folks. And um, Hereford people are different. And that is the true thing that I think is the gold and treasure of the Hereford breed is the people that are involved in it. So love the cattle, but uh, get to know the people because that's the unique part. So as we, as we wrap up this podcast here, the takeaways from Wyatt today, guys, people. People, people, building relationships and taking advantage of the opportunities in front of you. Wyatt, thank you for being in here today. And, um, you know, we're, we're going to see you around, but it's been it's been an honor to be on the board with you here for the, the last three years. And we're looking forward to putting on one last really, really awesome junior national event. Yeah. Thank you, Noah, for having me. And uh, couldn't couldn't imagine a better guy to be chairman. You're uh, you're you're awfully good at it. So well, I appreciate it. Hey, guys, we're going to catch you back here next time on the Junior Hereford Show. Make sure to tune in and give us a listen. You've been listening to the Junior Hereford Show with Noah Benedict. Make sure to come back next time to learn, lead, and achieve.